The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Tom Voschel. He is Vice President of Federal Program Management Office at Coupa Software. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, you know CMMC, what it means for government contractors, what's it mean for the government, and things folks need to really think about as uh, as CMMC 2.0, I guess, approaches sometime. You know, maybe this fall, we'll see. But to, first of all, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roger. Pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, and before we start talking about CMMC 2.0 or just the long winding road that is CMMC over its, uh, you know, impending, you know, implementation, I guess, um, let's talk a little bit about you first, Tom, you're at Coupa now, but can you talk a little bit about your background and, uh, how long you've been in this, this space? Sure. You know, my background goes back a fair amount. So let's, uh, stay up on recent history. I've been working with the federal government, oh, 20 plus years, uh, working with enterprise software companies that are providing solutions to the federal government. Uh, and that, that throughout the career, that's included looking at the initiatives as cloud has developed up in the federal government, uh, specifically software as a service solutions. Uh, I've been focused on them roughly 12 years with the last five specific to the federal government around their security requirements, you know, like FedRAMP, uh, what the government requires on that, and extending out into government contract contractors, uh, nuclear utilities, healthcare companies, all that have similar security requirements around uh, this cloud software. Yeah, and we'll get that our focus of our discussion is going to be on the, you know, the security aspects of enterprise software and cloud computing, that sort of thing. But just, you know, from your vantage point, you know, looking back on those 20 plus years is, you know, I, I mean, the answer may be a resounding yes, but I'm going to ask it anyway, just from your perception in terms of how this technology has evolved and the approach to providing solutions has evolved, is cloud computing the biggest, you know, fundamental change in the market that that you've seen over that time, just that approach of how to provide a solution as opposed to the hardware and software and buying all that? Yeah, if you look at how the market has changed, it's, I'd say it's inevitable that we've gotten to where we are. I mean, we started out with, you would buy hardware, you'd put it in a data center, you'd run software on that. If you needed to expand, you bought more hardware and you put it in there an agency or a company would have to have an IT group that managed the hardware. They manage the software on it. They manage the security on it. And you start looking at that and that becomes very cost ineffective. So to consolidate that into there was people started doing data centers as a service type things, you know, hosting solutions, but moving to software as a service and the whole cloud aspect took out the software maintenance 
of I got to update it, I got to patch it, I got to keep security on it. It improves security because now you can hire better people. You know, I have an IT organization, I'm competing against everybody else. As a cloud service, they're hiring the people, they can pay more, they can get higher quality people. So moving that transfers my risk from me having a physical data center and people operating it over to the cloud provider. But then I have to watch them to make sure that they're doing good security practices, they're keeping everything up to date. So that's one of the things that comes out of it. But it's an inevitable path of going to cloud services. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in our, you know, my, my experience with my organization or our organization here at the coalition, you know, we've saved so much money and it created so many efficiencies uh, moving to the cloud a few years back. Um, so let's turn to Coupa a little bit. First of all, um, what is Coupa's uh, uh, federal program management office and, and what is your role in that office? Well, um, I joined Coupa roughly two years ago to help them uh, release their FedRAMP solutions. So the program office works across all aspects of Coupa that are impacted by this. So most people think, well, hey, when we put FedRAMP in, that's a security thing. You just go put security controls and you do it. But it expands out further. You have marketing, you have uh, legal, you've got product management, engineering, all these aspects get impacted as well as the security team. So the PMO office does that, and my role is just leading all aspects of that within the company to make sure we're staying coordinated and we're providing the best solution we can to the government. Yeah, it's 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 like it sounds to me it's almost like leading a team, right? And I can think about like a football team. You got the you know defense, you know the offense, special teams, all the different moving parts, and you have to get them in unison, whether it's sales, marketing, or legal. Uh, product management, all that to be able to deliver to the customer. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. It is very much like that. Yeah. So um, with regard to Coupa, um, how does it support, how is Coupa software and how are you supporting uh, customer agencies uh, across government? Well, Coupa solution is what's referred to as a business spend management platform. All right. That is all about what you spend, how you spend it going through that. Um, so providing that solution to federal agencies, we're looking at how we can assist them gain better control over their expenditures, streamline the processes, adhere to their SOX controls, uh, and maximizing the constituent value they do by better managing those spending activities. It's a smarter spend of the dollar. It's not that I'm not going to make that purchase, but am I doing it through a contract and getting a discount or am I doing it through another path and not getting the discount by having all of that managed, you get the better aspects of it. So it is almost, it almost sounds like a, a, I think of terms that I used to do like share and savings. Oh, not really. Is that you're identifying part of the, the functionalities to identify places where you can actually save money if, in terms of your financial management and the and the flow of funds for an operation. Is that fair well, to say? Yeah, let me give you a real simple example. If I want to buy a laptop, all right, and I so I'm authorized to be able to purchase a laptop, I can contact our IT department and say, hey, I need a laptop. 
they're going to get it from their provider, or I could turn around and reach out and buy it from a contractor. Now, if I just reach out and buy it from say Amazon, I'm going to pay a price for it. Or if I buy an iPad directly from Apple, I'm going to pay a price for it. If I go through my IT group, they're going to work their, their contracts. But how do I know that? So Coupa provides that front end, simply says, I say, hey, I need an, uh, a laptop. That says, here's the various sources you can get it from. Here are the prices. And here is the preferred price. So it's automatically routed me through where I want to get it as the best from a corporate perspective, which means I'm saving the company money. And it's gone through all the authorizations paths that says, I have, I have a justifiable business reason to buy that laptop. And it's been authorized by all the appropriate steps along the way. So doing that for a federal agency, you know, redirecting spend off of P cards in through purchase requests, uh, using consolidated contracts, say through GSA, you know, the agency can save a tremendous amount of money, which can then be repurposed for other programs or other spend. It's not about reducing and saving. It's about redirecting and maximizing the use of that spend. Yeah, and I'm glad you, it was great you mentioned the P card because that is something I hear from agencies like the Department of Veteran Affairs all the time about trying to, you know, reduce their P card spend because that costs them money, it costs the industry money to use that, and there's much more efficient ways you, you, to to do that transaction. Um, so we got about a minute left, and one of the things, I know we're going to talk about CMMC in the next couple of segments, uh, but... Just from a data, a secure data management uh, perspective, how does, you know, Coupa's product support that, the security aspect of it as well? Okay, so uh, secure data management from Coupa, uh, we do that through the FedRAMP program. We achieved our moderate authorization in March of 22. Uh, FedRAMP defines a set of security controls and then the recommended uh, methods of implementing those security controls. To keep that authorization, you have to be audited annually. You have to update it to the latest releases. So it's a very interactive standpoint that says, we know the federal government through uh, FedRAMP PMO, we know that you've implemented good security controls. You've implemented them the best way possible, and you're maintaining that implementation, which means that you're improving the security of the government systems and data. It's really that simple. And that's how Coupa's uh, doing it for the federal government. Great. And so we are up on the break, uh, Tom, when we come back, we'll dive into CMMC 2.0 and, you know, and talk a little bit about that. My guest today is Tom Bochel. He is vice president, federal program management office, Coupa software. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to off the shelf on federal news network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Voschel. He is Vice President, Federal Program Management Office at Coupa Software. And we're talking about security, you know, uh, IT security, financial management security, data management security, and, um, of course, CMMC 2.0, uh, which I guess is coming at some point. We'll talk about that, Tom. Um, that's, where, that's what we're going to talk about uh, in this segment and moving forward. Um, you know, and this is a long sort of winding road uh, for the implementation of uh, CMMC. Um, and, you know, now it's called CMMC 2.0. Um, 
can you talk a little bit about you know some of the history of it you know what's what's going on here and where you think things are headed sure now cmmc cybersecurity maturity model certification it's been around for a few years uh version 1.0 came out it had i think five levels in it uh so it's been going through various levels of review and public comment and a lot of it has been coming back from companies as, hey, how is this going to impact me? It's going to increase my costs. It's going to stop me from being able to do business with the federal government. But really, what is CM, uh, CMMC? Uh, what's their objectives? They want to improve the security of the systems, the store, process, or transmit government data. It's really, that's the foundation of it. Uh, it's foundation has been around for years coming out of some of the DFARS requirements. All right. But it's only recently that DOD has found it necessary for them to go to the defense contractors and say, guys, we need you to prove that you've got these security controls in place and that you're providing this level of security. It's evolved to that. It's now at 2.0. And I think just last week, uh, but recently, DOD just announced that, yep, they're going to release it in September. Now, that's not the first time that they've said, hey, we're going to release it in a future <laughs> date. So we'll see if it actually happens in September. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just can you um, talk a little bit about the the difference between, I guess, we'd call it CMMC 1.0 with the five levels versus the current iteration um, that's been out there that people have looked at with the sort of different levels of, re, you know, of review or the changes in that regard? Yeah, um, CMSC 1.0 was five levels, 2.0 was three levels. All they really did was just reorganize and cut out the levels. So you look at level one, two, and three, their maturity levels Level one is, hey, do you have good procedures and policies defined? Uh, no, I don't. I need to do that. Level two is, yes, I have them and I've been implementing them, but they're not ingrained into the company culture. And level three is, I'm very mature. I've had these policies. They're ingrained into the company uh, culture. We follow them along all the well, all the while. So, that's really what's happened. And as you looked at the public comment with this, it came down into, hey, I'm a small software company. I'm building things out for a niche area of the government. And you want me to have all these procedures and policies in place. You know, I can't afford to do that. Or that's going to be outrageous, expensive for me. Whereas you look at one of the major defense contractors they have these procedures and policies in place as a matter of course from having done business with the government for so many years. Right. Do you think that's the the, the struggle that DOD is having and, you know, the delays in the rule, just trying to figure it's because it, it's going to impact so many different comp companies when you think about the defense industrial base. It could theoretically impact, you know, tens of thousands of small businesses and large businesses. Um, and trying to thread that needle about, you know, the cost of compliance versus access to that industrial base that is, you know, where do you, do you think that's part of the, the, the reason for the delay, trying to figure that out or address it yeah. in other ways? Yeah, that's definitely uh, part of it. If you follow through where CMC is coming, it 
uh, points down to NIST 171 for the security controls. And you look at somebody like a Northrop Grumman or a Lockheed Martin, you know, they're going to have a lot of this in place and modifying something around for uh, the way their companies operate isn't going to be a major expense if you look at percentage wise. But this flows down to their subcontractors. And a lot of those subcontractors can be small business or 8A companies. And you start talking about you have to have all these controls in place. You know, well, it's a good thing you want it there because they could be a source in the software supply chain that opens up a hole in the security. So you want that security to be in place, but then you have to be cognizant of what kind of a burden am I putting on that 8A company to put this in place? Some of these guys, it could be the aspect of them being in business or not with the government. So that's what they've gone through is trying to figure out how to balance those two things, the need of the government to really have high quality security, but also the need of the government to be able to flow this down to small organizations and make sure that they're not negatively impacted uh, by releasing this. So the juggle has gone on for several years now. Yeah. And I, I'd be interested to see, when the, as you mentioned, the if they announced that they they intend, I'll say intend to uh, issue it as a proposed or interim rule, I don't even know what they said, but in September or so, whether they've taken other steps to try to address that burden on industry, especially the small businesses. Um, well, there's an interesting fact of that when you look at how where CMC is. CMC points to DFARS. 7012. Yeah. 7012 says, hey, here's the security foundations you need to do. DFARS, the total is DFARS 252.204-7012. That has been in contracts and flowed down to subcontracts for years. It's really been, hey, I trust you. This is in there. Right. You're supposed to be meeting this. You say you're meeting it. It's good. Well, with the threats and everything else that are happening in today's environment, that's what's forcing DOD to say, guys, I need you to prove it. And now you look at these small subcontractors and they go, it's been in your contract for five or more years. And you ignored it. Um, now it's a problem. Right. You know, that's a great point because it is, you're absolutely spot on that this is something that's been, you know, in contracts for a long time. And, Really, the CMMC process is about validating that you're complying with your contract in a lot of ways. Can you talk a little bit about um, what kind of triggers the application and whether it's like it's uh, federal contract information or controlled uh, unclassified information, CUI? You know, what is that and you know, why is that kind of the trigger? Well, let me, I'm going to try to stay at a high level here, but yeah. roll this down. So CMMC points to DFAR 7012. In 7012, it says, hey, here's the security requirements, depending on the type of system. If it's a system being operated for the government, 7012 says, hey, you have to have 171 implemented. And because it's a defense contract, there's some other defense stuff that needs to go into it. If it's a system that is an internal contractor system, but it contains federal contract information, or confidential unclassified information, commonly referred to as CUI, 
then it must also meet those requirements. So that's where the rub comes in. Hey, if it's a system for the government and I got to put all these security controls in, that's part of my contract. I just push that cost over to the government. But if it's an internal system, say, for example, a company's implementing Coupa and they're going to do direct spend through Coupa, so they're buying for the federal contract, that means it's going to have FCI or CUI in it. And therefore, it must meet these requirements. Now, the nice thing is in 7012, it says, hey, if it's a software as a service solution, then it must meet the FedRAMP moderate baseline. So that's an easy check to say, hey, my vendor is FedRAMP authorized. Therefore, they meet those controls. I can check that off as part of my CMSC certification. But if the vendor isn't, even if the vendor says, hey, I meet all those controls, they still have to go through a third-party validation of those controls, which is not a simple thing, and it has cost that gets injected. But then once they get that validation, they need to contain that, continue that validation. But that's where it comes from. It's kind of like this stair step. CMMC goes to uh, DFAR 7012, which goes to 171, which points to FedRAMP moderate. But it depends on where you are in the ladder, whether it branches off or not into additional controls or other uh, validations that you need to do. Right. So, Tom, we're, we're up on the break. When we come back, talk a little bit about that third-party attestation or certification and just how that you see that playing out and working. I know one of the concerns out there that I get your thoughts on is, you know, the number of third-party assessors versus the potential pool of people who have to be third party assessed, right? So talk a little bit about that. My guest today is Tom Bochel. He is Vice President, Federal Program Management Office, Coupa Software. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Bochel. He is Vice President for the Federal Program Management Office, Coupa Software. We're talking about security. In particular, we've been focusing our discussion on CMMC 2.0. And, you know, uh, Tom, as you noted in an earlier segment, you know, they went, you know, CMMC 1.0, I guess, or original, had five levels of uh, maturity. Um, 2.0 has three levels, and it does have the different, you know, processes for attestation or certification. And I guess, you know, can you talk a little bit about what, each level requires. And then, you know, I definitely, I know there's questions about level two in terms of the number of third-party assessors. Yeah. Well, there's lots of other experts out there that can go into the details of the levels, but to stay at a high uh, point, you know, level one, level two, level three. Uh, Level one is saying, hey, are you aware that you need these practices? Have you defined out your procedures and policies and what controls are needed? Since CMNC points to NIST 171, the controls are pretty much done for you. You know, hey, what are those controls? How am I going to implement them? But the procedures and policies, a lot of companies simply don't have things written down. They may have good practices, but they don't have it written down to where it's been educated through the company. Level two is pretty much that, hey, we have all our procedures and policies down. We're, we've educated or we're educating our people about them, and we are following them or we're starting to follow them. Level three is, hey, yeah, 
We've got them. We've honed them. We've modified them. We've rolled them into the company. We follow them as a matter of our business. And so it's immature. I'm doing, I'm adolescent and I'm mature. Look at it that way as the three uh, levels and how they go into it. Yeah. Yeah. At the level one, is that, that's sort of, that's, if I recall, that's like a self certification, self attestation. Yeah. Level um, one is just, you know, you're, you're saying, I really don't have great security policies in place. Uh, we're working on it. So there's no reason to bring a third party or anybody else in to say, well, do you have this in place? You've said, I'm working at it. Level two, you can still bring a third party in. And a lot of companies are going to be level two, not level three. Uh, and that's really saying, you know, that, yeah, I've got this stuff in place, validate it for me. You know, that I have procedures, the procedures are writ- well written. I've uh, checked off the controls. We've looked at, you know, our developers and our engineering teams and a security team. And these controls are in place. It could be validated. You know, the level threes, it's not going to be very disruptive to them. It's more of just, hey, I need to expand my audit program now to include this. They're already got the audit programs. It's just another addition to it. So, well, first, my first observation is this. When you think about this approach, it really, the idea is to drive companies to put their practices in, not just in place, but also, you know, put the, you know, put the guidance you know, and create the infrastructure and the the written documentation to support the security that the government is requiring. It's it drives people in that direction ultimately, right? That's the whole goal of this. Is that that fair? That is the goal. That is really the goal. Is just saying, if you look at all of this just from an external viewpoint into security, the answer is is this this is all good stuff. This is motherhood and apple pie. What you should be doing as a software company or as a defense contractor to make sure that you've got good security for uh, for your customers, not just the federal government, for your customers in general. But this industry has grown up. And as with anything, as you grow, you need to get more mature. You need to put policies in place. And in today, entrepreneurs spring up out of the woodwork. You know, somebody goes in, they have a great idea, something that's a niche product, and they run with it. This is just saying to those guys, that's okay, you can run, but you need to put some guards in here. So these are the good practices you need to bring in as you're developing up and building your company. Right. So, and then the level two is, I wanted to get your thoughts or observations, because one of the things that folks are saying or third party observers of the whole process is that to the extent DOD or the government is requiring, you know, third party uh, certification attestation of that you're complying and all that kind of stuff. There are a limited number of third party assessors while at the same, like, you know, you know, let's say 20 or so currently, maybe more now, but there's tens of thousands of companies that theoretically are eligible or would have to go through that level two third party assessment. Is that again, part of the, one of the reasons for the delay here, trying to figure out how to, how to address that? Or do you see this as a long-term rolling implementation over time, given the, the nature of the resources? 
I don't don't have direct insight, but I believe that's an area that really hasn't been thought through very well. The concept of, all right, guys, I need you to have a third party validate this. I can't, you know, this has been in your contracts for so long. We've trusted you and we found out that you weren't really doing it. So I can't trust you anymore. I need a third party to validate it. And the logical step was, hey, we're just going to uh, point to the third party authorized organizations that have been doing FedRAMP uh, validation for so long. Well, as you said, there's a limited number of those. And even within that limited number, those are, there are those that are highly experienced and those that are just starting out that, you know, they're learning as they go along. You know. But then you look at the numbers, as you said, there's 10, 20, 30,000 DIB companies out there that would be looking for the certification and 23 PALs or 33 PALs that are available this is a really good time to be in the three pal business. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess. Uh... Yeah. So it's going to drive a, a cottage industry around this and more and more of these companies are going to come in, uh, but it's going to fall back to how do you authorize the third party? Cause anybody can come in and say, I'll, I'll help you through this. I know what's there. I'll check the boxes, but you have to have that three pal status. And right now that falls on the FedRAMP PMO to say that these guys know what they're doing and they're following all the procedures and policies. So that may be one of the uh, reasons this, is, this gets delayed again is everybody's going to line up and those three pals are going to be overloaded in a minute. Yeah, that's a great point. Who's, who's assessing the third party assessors to, you know, in terms of quality control and what they're doing or, or to making them eligible to be able to do the third party assessments. But one of the things I would worry about is the small companies getting uh, you know, where a vendor comes out and says, hey, I'm a three pal. I can do this for you. And they don't have the certification. So they spend all the time and, fin and financials with them to get it done. And they turn their information into DOD and DOD goes, hey, this isn't valid because they're not an authorized three pal. You can expect that's going to happen in the market. There's people out there that will do that. But um, we're just going to have to be careful. Right. And, you know, so, Tom, we're up on the, the break right now. When we come back, you know, introduce some other things. You mentioned FedRAMP, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the interplay, a little bit more about the interplay between FedRAMP and CMMC, and just also get your thoughts on, you know, this is a DOD, you know, um, you know originated sort of regulation and approach to the security issue. We have DHS and civilian agencies as well. Does this get expanded government wide? Does the civilian agencies have a different standard? What, what does all that mean with all these different standards potentially out there? And is there an opportunity for some sort of rationalization uh, moving forward? My guest today is Tom Voschel. He is vice president program management office for Coupa software. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Tom Voschel. He is the Vice President, Pro Federal Program Management Office at Coupa Software. We've been talking security and CMMC, and I know we're going to talk about all the other moving parts, you know, out there in the federal uh, cyber security world uh, in this segment. Um, but I guess to sort of level set, you know, Tom, this, uh, you know, CMMC 
you know, as it currently stands applies to DOD. Is that correct? And what about civilian agencies? How are they viewing CMMC? Yeah, uh, today CMC is a, a DOD program. So it's looking at defense contractors and how they secure that. But the federal civilian side is certainly paying attention to this. Uh, they've been leaning on FedRAMP uh, for the, their efforts on it. And when you look at it, FedRAMP and CMC are, are very much complementary. Right? They define good security practices that should be there. They're providing programs to validate that companies are uh, doing all that. Um, so I would expect either the FedRAMP program to be expanded to incorporate more of what CMMC is looking at or the, for a similar uh, program, more of an umbrella over top of FedRAMP or in parallel with FedRAMP coming out of the civilian side. So from defense contractors standpoints or federal contractors in general, they need to be paying really close attention to what's going on with CMC. It, it's good practices. It improves security across the board. It's something that they should be doing. So now's the time to start planning for it and get out ahead of it instead of where we are uh, today with a lot of the companies looking at CMMC is going, how are we going to respond to this and not going, we're prepared to respond to it. Yeah, Tom, one of the things that I hear a lot, and, and I think we even talked about a little bit um, in prep for the show is just this, all these moving parts and, you know, and how do we, is the government's got to be smart about this in a certain point, right? You can't have, or you can, I guess, but you should, you best practices seems to me for efficiency and, you know, and ensuring it, you don't creating unnecessary barriers to entry while maintaining security is some sort of rationalization or how these things all work together and some clear statement of that. Um, I think one of the examples that you, you mentioned to me is whether DISA and and, and FedRAMP are kind of trying to bring their standards together a little bit to create some reciprocity. Is is that something uh, uh, that that you see as you know the the future or, or something that government really needs to focus on thinking about strategically? Oh, well, I think it's definitely something the government's got to look at strategically. Um, I mean, FedRAMP started out as a presidential directive, with uh, NDAA being signed back in December, it became law which was a very good step uh, with FedRAMP and CMMC being uh, complementary. that, you know, if you look at CMMC, the, you roll down the path, FedRAMP is one of the security levels that CMMC is pointing to, you know, as you go several steps down in the ladder. Uh, and as you said, we were talking about FedRAMP and DISA, both have security standards, both have different groups that go through the programs. And if you say, well, FedRAMP moderate, FedRAMP's got three levels, low, uh, moderate, and high. And low, for most, for all intents and purposes, is an existing. Moderate is the standard, and high is rapidly pushing to take over that. But moderate relates directly to DISA's impact level two. And then you go two, you go level four, which is where high kind of relates on it. Well, there was some misalignment there. So with the release of the uh, NIST 800-53 R5, the revision five, there's a tighter alignment there uh, and some of the changes that FedRAMP 
has made has incorporated more of the defense controls in, into their process. So now they can have true reciprocity. If you achieve FedRAMP moderate, they can say, hey, it is equal to DOD IL-2, and DISA can issue a reciprocity letter or vice versa that FedRAMP says, hey, we accept because DISA has done this work. So we need more of that. And as CMC comes in, more of the federal agencies need to look at something. And I don't think it exists today as like a, of a umbrella program that says we have all these different standards uh, that are popping up within the federal government. And uh, I'll point to the, uh, the software um, attestation form as an example of this because that goes to NIST uh, 800-218. Well, 853-REV-5 has incorporated most of, if not all of what's in uh, 218 into those requirements. But now you have the federal government looking at vendors and going, hey, I need this software attestation form from from you. Understanding how that aligns with FedRAMP, how that's going to align with DISA, and any other agencies that start looking at what security controls they have should first be looking to these overarching standards that are coming in and say, should we be aligned with them? And uh, there was information just came out uh, this week on DHS. I, I read it and I went, what are these guys thinking about? Because DHS, in all appearances, is saying, hey, you know, we don't care whatever anybody else has the security standards. We're going to define our own. And that is going to hurt DHS more than it hurts anyone else because a vendor that has aligned with FedRAMP or become FedRAMP moderate or has a disassistation to them is going to look at DHS and say, well, now I have to map all my controls to what you're lining up and I might have to implement additional controls. And you might change your mind on that. Well, that's cost and expense for me. So guess what? I'm just not going to go after that DHS program. I'm going to stay with the rest of the federal government. So we, we need that alignment and, you know, hey, check off why you can't use this before you go someplace else versus yeah, I mean, I'm going to go down my own path. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a great observation that, you know, creating all these different competing, and I use competing in quotes, standards, um, across the federal enterprise, you know, that creates barriers to entry for all size businesses, not just small. And at the end of the day, you know, if there's something that's working, why wouldn't you, you know, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. Why wouldn't you, yeah. you know, you know, you know, take, you know, somebody else's word for it as a government entity, one of your sister agencies or departments. Um, so it's great great points tom and i know we talked about all these security things i want to take a minute there's about a minute left or so and just talk a little bit about why do we have all these things what is the nature of the threat um we are fa- collectively facing out there as you know just the, 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 there's good reason that, you know here the the intent of all these things is to make a difference and and secure um you know, our information, our intellectual property, the government's, you know, secrets and, you know, in information, our information, personal information, but just what is the nature of the threat out there that we're responding to? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I do a lot of reading on the internet and everything else. I came across one of these things of, you know, signs 
you know, what is the reason behind this sign? And this is a lot of what's happening with the security uh, throughout the federal government. And there is nobody is sitting in the federal government going, hey, I have a great idea. We should implement this. There's always an, a, an action that generated it. <laughs> you know, like they say, the stupid sign is please don't feed the alligators. Uh, did somebody actually have to think about, you know, you shouldn't feed alligators or did some person try to feed the alligators and lose a hand? Uh, so there, there have been cyber um, actions, I'll, I'll use a broad term, you know, where embedded code has been found in a piece of software that came from a subcontractor into a major element that was then spread across the federal government and opened up a, a security backdoor. That gets discovered. Well, what do we do? How do we prevent that from happening in the future? That causes the knee jerk of, hey, we need to have security programs in place and all retroactive on now you're providing me software. You need to go through. You need to attest to this. Do we need to have as strong a reaction? We probably actually need a stronger reaction because security has been left out. But it is today's threat. Um, environment that's out there is third-party actors that are state actors that are just it might be some kid in university that's going hey i'm smarter than everybody else and i'm going to prove it by hacking into these systems but it's it's more of the state actors that are hey i'm going after the uh, u.s federal government i'm going to find the doorway in there and i don't care about the system that i'm injecting um bad code into or the side I'm hacking into, I'm going, that's my path into something greater. If I can right. get into defense and I can get on defense networks, where can I go? And that, that's what the government's up against is I have to close all the windows and put alarms on them. I got to make sure all the doors have deadbolt locks on them and the locks get locked every night, you know, and I need, still need to do business. Yeah, and then you got to lock the doors within the house these days too, right? Right. It's, sort of like it's getting zero more trust. and more. Yeah, well, Tom, that's a great way to sort of sum up the show like that threat. Very well put. I appreciate it. I want to thank my guest today, Tom Voschel. He's vice president, federal program management office at Coupa Software. I'm Roger Walder, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.